Hey everyone, welcome back to segment two in the second series of teachings on the power-filled voice of the blood of Jesus. I'm Pastor Lindsay Lee. Let's get right to it. Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for these words. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for everything that you reveal to us. Open our ears and our eyes and our understanding as we place ourselves in a place, in a position, a posture, if you will, to hear from you and to glean from you and to obey you. I thank you that the hearers, that the participants are flowing with you, touched by you, loved by you, and receiving from you this night in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, we're going to pick up where we left off. I'm still coming to you live from Tupelo, Mississippi. I love saying that. And we left off talking about how the, the quality of the blood of Jesus being precious, being found and valued as precious by heaven because of the blood of Jesus and the spirit power of it. So now we had talked just a little bit about being washed. And I want to go back into that again. I'm going to refer you to the ones where I'm wearing the red sweater because a lot, a number of these points have already been covered and we are going to pull them forward to go more in depth with them. So to be washed, one of the references for this is first Corinthians chapter six, verse 11, which says, and such were some of you. I love that passage because it talks about people, <clears throat> excuse me, that were doing heinous, ugly things. And he's saying, yep, I know about it. You know, people think, well, you just don't understand. You don't know where I came from. You don't, uh, you don't know what, what, what I, you know, what I've done, what I'm guilty of. But he, he says this, he says that, yeah, I know about these things and I speak about them to your shame that there was, is there not, is so it, is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who'll be able to judge between his brethren? He's like, you're going to have to make a distinction between being kingdom and being the way everybody else is. That was verse five. He says, verse six, he's saying, brother goes to law against brother and that before unbelievers. He's saying, this is not the seemly behavior uh, it, within the body. So therefore it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong or why do you not rather be cheated? He's not telling you really to lay down and let everybody trample over you. But what he is saying is you're going to have to think about these things differently because of who is in you and because of what you, where you come from now. He said, no, you yourselves do wrong and cheat. And these things, brethren, you have been guilty. You carrying some of the same behaviors that the blood of Jesus has actually redeemed you from. And you're working the same way as, as I, I can't make a distinction between you and the folks outside of the kingdom. He says, do you not know, verse 9, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So all of these works are the works of the unrighteous, which means that the power of God has not been given way. We haven't opened ourselves up and said, I'm going to let your power bring about the change in me that your power is in me to do. He says, do you not know? This is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. So he is saying to us, uh, we're well aware that there's some unseemly, ungodly, dirty deeds being done in the body of Christ. Such so were some of you, that's how you were identified. But he's saying to you, that is not 
your identity today. And if it is not your identity, then there has to be a power that breaks breaks this uh, breaks you out of this bondage. And there has to be a power available to you to make you free. I was thinking about this today. You know, I, I'm in the state of Mississippi and it's a beautiful place. And I've met some very, very lovely people. And I know that in the days of the civil rights movement, there was a song that was very popular. It was called We Shall Overcome. And that's the song that was sung, We Shall Overcome Someday, and, and on and on it goes. And it dawned on me, and I know it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me because of what we're talking about right now, that many people identify overcoming with their skin color. They identify the idea of overcoming as being something to come out from the oppression of other people. But overcoming is a kingdom power. It is a kingdom assignment for every man, woman, boy, and girl that is born from above. Overcoming is taking the exercising the authority that has been given to you, the royal power that has come from the king. And it is to use that to free all mankind from oppression, not one skin tone. It is not a, a gender-specific or a ethnic specific type of term. And many have given it a devaluation by giving it a secular understanding. Overcoming life is the ability to put sin under your feet and to refuse to allow it to operate in your life, whether it's over food or uh, sexual immorality. It's overcoming. The overcoming life is having the victory, living from heavenly victory in every scenario that you face. And so you see, it cannot be limited or reduced to a specific people group. It is available to the citizens of the kingdom of God. And there is no overcoming without the spirit of God, without the word of God, and without the blood of Jesus. Your overcoming power is not legislated by mankind. It was legislated in the courts of heaven, which deemed the blood of Jesus to be a legal um, principle, a legal in one way, it's kind of a document, but a legal decree, an executive order that says that the blood of Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. So I want you to think about that and 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 go to the spirit of God about that and say, these things that I have tolerated, many people live in, in uh, what do you want to say, defeat, because of the sin that they still tolerate, because you still allow certain things to be just okay. You, it's like, it's not that big a deal. I'll not let it, uh, you know, it, it, it's okay. It's okay. It's never okay. That's the posture that we have to adopt in order to live the overcoming life. Sin is never okay. A little bit of sickness, a little bit of lack, a little bit of debt, a little bit of this and that and the other. No, the mentality must be purged. And the power of the blood of Jesus is what makes us free because within it comes the ability to think the way that Christ does and to see the way that he does. And therefore to be able to operate in the earth the way we are meant to operate. And so we'll get into that some more. And this is part of what the washing is. 
It is that such were some of you, but you were washed is what he said. You were remitted. You were, these things were washed off of you, washed away from you. You were sanctified. You were set apart. He said, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So what he is telling you is this, you're better than this. You can live better than this. You can rise up and be over these things. You can step upon those things of old. You are, you say, well, thieving or being covetous, which is being greedy or being uh, having um, the operations of a spirit of lack or poverty that you still talk up. No, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to extort. You don't have to try to work your plan and, 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 and hustle and bustle and be on the move the way the world defines being on the move. You don't have to be ambitious the way the world is. He said, such were some of you, but you have been washed. You have been washed. Maybe you don't know this and you are going to have to take it as the truth about you. You have been made clean from the old way of being. So if it's still there, you can say, no, I'm clean. I'm cleansed from this. And this is no longer a part of me. It's no longer a part of the, it's not a part of the kingdom. So it cannot be a part of you. That's a legal term that you're using saying that's a trespass. That, that's an old operation. And I am not a part of that, which means you are no longer victimized by the things of the past. So take that. And let's stretch that out and let's have a conversation about that because the uh, the, the way that we think sometimes it, it's a stench to the nostrils of the king and it should be a stench to you as well. But the blood of Jesus removes the stench and removes its power. You are meant to overcome. You are meant to have a exercise authority, the, the, the mandated authority that has been given to you. You are called to disallow the ways of the world from having first place in your thinking or your living or your being. He said it has been washed off of you. And so that's something that you want to look at. He said, yeah, I know you were like that. I'm telling you, you don't have to be like that anymore. I'm telling you, you've been called out of that. I'm telling you that there has been a way of escape that's been made for you. And it's time for you to walk in it. Now, another definition of washed you will find it in Revelation 1, 5, where it says to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And that means that the whole person has been bathed. And it's used to refer to bathing or washing here, they said of a dead person or to cleanse blood out of wounds. So you see the the things that, that were that caused us to be spiritually dead, that we've been washed and and the blood of Jesus, remember, is resurrection power as well. So we have been raised up from every dead place that we're in. The blood has spoken this. That's the active activity of the washing. The blood has spoken and said what they used to be, they no longer are. This is what he's testifying on our behalf. So you have, uh, and the, the cleansing out of the wound. So the old bloodline stuff, the old things of what somebody said to you or did to you or talked about you and all that, all of that stuff, the blood of Jesus, this is the cleansing agent. This is the power. This is a legal cleansing. This is being made free by the son, you see. 
And so I want you to ponder that. And also I want you to talk to the spirit of the Lord about it and say, talk, give me a revelation. I'm get, I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit here and just say, remember, you want a revelation of the blood. You want to understand what this blood does, because before we take communion, I want you to have some form of understanding, something that the blood of Jesus has said about you, that you're going to begin to hear so that you can walk in the revealed knowledge that only comes from above to know how he's thinking about you. It says in the first covenant that blood on the altar was given to make a covering or an atonement for the living, breathing soul. Now, if you understand that that when they brought that forward, they said, because of the sin price here, bring the blood and this atones for the sin, or it says, okay, because it blood was required and that sacrifice that they brought is paying the price for the sin. The problem with that, and many of you that are, or maybe not many, but some of you that are listening to me right now, you're still operating under the first covenant when it comes to the power of the blood. What happened is that they were atoned, but they were not free. The sins that they committed, they still had the memory. They still had the knowledge of how to go and do it again. They still were bound by it. They were still soul tied to it, still connected to the things that they did. And so while the blood of the bulls and the goats would atone for their sin, what it could not do was freed them from the derangement of it. And some people that listen and they are born from above, but they still operate out of that, oh, you don't know what I did and you don't know what people have said about me. And, and if you only knew the truth and you only knew how many people I, whatever you did, and you somehow think wear that as a badge or a, a wound that you're walking around in and it's, it's a dead thing. Now, remember, we just looked at how the Bible talked about you were washed from that. I'm going to ask you, why don't you receive what has been given to you? Why wouldn't you open yourself like Mary and let the word that the Lord has spoken that you have been washed? This is 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Why don't you allow that right now to enter in? You can pause this and you can say to him, I want to receive. Today, I'm going to receive the cleansing of these wounds from dead things. Today, I'm going to let the blood of Jesus, I'm going to allow that washing to happen in me right now. I guarantee you, you'll be made free from it because you are operating under the delusion that the sins of your past have more power than the blood of Jesus and what the blood of Jesus has spoken. And I am here as one of many to tell you, you are wrong. That is a dead lie. It is a lie that comes from a weaker source and you were made to overcome. So why not take a moment and go ahead and overcome? We're praying for you and then come on back because you know where I've left off. So, you know, you can pick up again, but do this, go ahead. And, and, and many of the rest of you too, I'm, I, I guess I'll just go ahead and say it. Father, your word says, you've already told me such was, some, I was this way, but I have been washed. And I'm going to allow that washing to happen in me right now in this specific area where I don't think that I can overcome, where I still believe that I have to pay a price because of what I did. No, you do not, because Jesus paid the price. That's what it means to be redeemed. So go on ahead 
and let your deliverance in the areas of whether you raped somebody or the shame you feel because you were raped and you, somebody lied and told you, you asked for it. You know, if you hadn't been in this place, if you hadn't done this, if you hadn't done that, then it never would have happened. I don't care what lie somebody else has told you. I don't care what kind of shame somebody has tried to bring on you. We are getting ahead, but that's a defilement and you can get your deliverance from it now, even before we get into the teaching, because, uh, and then the teaching will help you to keep what you just got. And I decree that it is so for you right now in the name of Jesus, receive what the provision that the blood of Jesus has made from you for you and come out of those dead places, walk in the freedom of the life of the power of God, the power of the kingdom and the life of God that is in his blood. We call you out of the dead places. We decree you washed according to the word of God. First Corinthians six eleven. you were washed. You might have been what you used to be. You might have done what you used to do, but the blood of Jesus says you are forgiven and you are exonerated. And as far as the blood is concerned, you didn't do what they said you did anyway. Hallelujah. So let's take that and we release that to you now in the name of Jesus. Again, we have talked about that the life substance of the flesh is in the blood. That's Leviticus 17, 11. And what that means is that blood is always housed in a body. So while we are in this earth, you might hear me use the expression, while I have the earth's blood. And so while I have the earth's blood, I have the authority of the kingdom uh, to speak into the earth. Things happen in the earth because man speaks the words of God. God is spirit. His words are spirit. And we, as legal citizens of the earth, as well as legal citizens of heaven, if we are born from above, we have the authority in the earth, which is what Jesus uh, restored to us. Because Adam, in the book of Genesis, you read, he had dominion, power, and authority. And what he said in the earth is what happened. And God has, through Jesus, has given us that. What we say matters. That's why we only speak what God says. It's I'll, I'll, I'll be cute about it. Use your power for good. You have authority. You have the word of God. Use this power for good. Use it for God. Use it for the kingdom to advance the purposes of the king himself and bring forth into the earth and into your life and the life of those you love. Bring about the will of God because it is it, it's according to his desire and it gives him pleasure. I like to teach in the Kingdom 101 relationships class some of y'all know this, that uh, Psalm 4511, I believe it is in the uh, contemporary English version, that the king is your husband. Do what he desires. Give him what he wants. Please him. It pleases God to hear his word being spoke by some, uh, spoken by those that will trust in him and allow him to do great exploits through us. All right. So blood is the physical carrier of life. Another way to put that is breath. The breath of God is encased in his blood and it is his life. And man cannot recreate it. Satan cannot recreate it. Uh, see, of course, Satan has no creative power. He has no legal right, really, to to promote. He can't promote the kingdom of God. And he doesn't have the right to bring forth new life into the earth. He doesn't have that ability. Creative power was given to man through our words. All he can do, all any any uh, spirit, all these spirits, God is a spirit. Satan is a spirit. You are a spirit. I am a spirit. And But we humans, 
we are living spirits. We, we are alive in a body. We have the legal right. Our physical bodies that are carrying blood give us the legal right to speak and to declare, to decree, to allow, and to disallow in this earth. God gave us that. And and so that's why I say, no, uh, Satan, the, the demonic realm, they don't have the legal, they're not legal citizens of the earth. They weren't born here. They don't carry the blood of the earth. But through Jesus, you see, heaven's authority has expanded because he carried the blood of the earth. He carried blood, human blood that was spilled. That's why he, he when, when blood leaves us, too much blood leaves us, life departs from us. Jesus is human. He carried, He lived in a flesh body, a human body. And he's also God. So he had, he what he did, everything he did as a man, he didn't do it as God. And everything, every miracle that was performed through him, every word that he released, every power and every raising up, the resurrection power was released by, uh, through the spirit of God, by in, through the voice of a man in the earth that was spoke, spoke for God. We are sons of God. We are the body of Christ. And when we speak what God says, the legal power of heaven backs it up. And we are authorized to speak for God in this earth. When we did not know him, when we were not born from above, we spoke the natural way of things and we empowered the works of darkness. But we don't have to do that anymore because now we are overcomers, which means we have authority over the things that we used to do. We don't have to stay in bondage. The scripture tells us you're no longer in bondage to or a debtor to sin. You don't owe sin your allegiance. You don't owe the old smoking, the old uh, stealing, the old lying, the old conniving, the old shucking and jiving or whatever it was that you did. You don't owe that stuff any allegiance. You are no longer captive to its power. And anybody that tells you that 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 you do, they, they're counting on you not knowing your identity. They're counting on you being ignorant of what you really have in Jesus and what has been granted you and what will work through you. But I am here to tell you, you do not owe your past, your allegiance. You don't owe it an apology either. You don't owe it an explanation. What you do have is the power to get it away from you or to tell it to bow to the name of Jesus. To his, and his blood is speaking and telling you, no, I've already taken on. Our sin has been judged and I have paid the penalty price. So you do not have to do that. And, um, so prayerfully, somebody will um, take that and do something with it in your life. Satan and man cannot duplicate the breath of God. We have procre uh, creation. We have the ability, as we know, to, to um, conceive and to birth children. But the breath, you know, a child is only alive because God's breath is there, because life is in the blood. Uh, I've had uh, two children, one, uh, one miscarried, the other was stillborn. There was no life in the baby. There was blood in both of my sons, but there was no life in them because it did not transfer over. God gives life. And I shared this actually on Kingdom 101 uh, relationships uh, just this past Wednesday. Um, 
I guess that would be the, this is the, today is the 18th of December. So it would have been just this a few days ago. And I remember feeling back in the days when my children, um, when neither one of my sons came forth, I thought that God was punishing me. See, I, I've been in these places that I'm talking about. I don't just say this stuff like, oh yeah, listen to me. No, I was there. And even as a Christian and even as a minister, I actually thought God was punishing me because I had had an abortion many, many years before. And so I was under the impression that because of the sin of my past that happened before I was even born from above, that God was punishing me for what I had done. And that's why I could not have a child. Well, I did not know at that time that it was really because the abortion process that they used had caused damage on the inside. And it was commonly known in the medical field that this was something that happened to many women that had had abortions, was that there was scar tissue on their womb that was causing the children to suffocate. So all the time I'm thinking that it's God punishing me. No, it was the wages of sin, but sin had already been judged. Do you understand? God was not judging me for that. In fact, he sent a doctor. He sent a woman to my mom that worked as a, uh, she was a, um, a midwife and she worked for a uh, obstetrician that specialized in high-risk pregnancies. And after I had been feeling very beat up for about five or six years because I could not carry a child, and I, and I carried a very deep uh, depression, and I walked around in a spirit of fear. I was tormented, which I've, I've talked about, and I'll talk about another time. But, um, and so all of these things were factors that that were contributing so that my thinking was always with an expectation that the child would not live but when this woman uh, came along and this um and this doctor came along and they I, I was brought in i was pregnant again with my daughter actually and i was um in the 14th week which was when my first child had been miscarried and the second one had uh had uh, uh died in the 19th week of gestation. Now I was 14 weeks along with my daughter and my body was already starting the spontaneous abortion, which is what a miscarriage is. It was already happening and they saw it, but they didn't tell me. But what they did was a procedure to try to, to keep her in. And she stayed in until about 19 weeks, I think it was, of 19 weeks, she was fully formed, but very, very small. And at that point, my body was starting to not want to hold the water. See, the womb, the floor was weak. It couldn't hold the water. And if there's no, the water, which was the sustaining life, okay, it couldn't take that. And so um, I ended up in the hospital. They had to keep me. If she had come out at 19 weeks, she wouldn't have lived. They kept me in the hospital for um, until I think she was at 28 weeks. 20, I was on bed rest for about four weeks, but then I started having problems. So they had to put me in the hospital. 28 weeks gestation. That's, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Not 19 weeks, but at 28 weeks, she was fully formed and two pounds, four ounces, but she was born. I had to deal, get rid of the spirit of fear. And when I realized God was not punishing me, 
that sin mentality belongs to the past. I had to overcome and understand, no, God loves me. God does not punish you by killing your child. Well, what about David? And what about Batsaba and the baby that died? God did not kill that baby. You know what he told David? He said, the child is not going to live. <laughs> whatever the complications might have been, whatever the situation was, God gave David a, a, an understanding. He gave him a word to let him know this child will not survive. And people will teach it and say, oh, yeah, that was a baby that was because of the sin and because he killed Uriah and because of this, that and the other. I, I don't see that in the word. What I see is that God said this child will not live. Now, that does not mean he killed it. He said this child is not going to live. Just like Mary was told, you're going to have a child and this child will do these things. So I believe it was advanced knowledge. If that crosses with your theology and you want to believe the worst of God, so be it. Is there judgment? Absolutely. But again, Jesus already let, let it be known and I'll have to find that scripture and give it to you. But Jesus already let it be known. Sin has already been judged. All right. So when we end up in situations, and I was married, all right. I wasn't pregnant um, uh, outside of wedlock. And even if I was, that, that wouldn't have had anything to do with it. But what I'm trying to tell you is, no, um, I wasn't in sin in terms of, of how I got pregnant. And this was what the Lord, uh, you know, these are the things that happened. I did operate in fear and I did operate in the belief that God was not OK with me having a baby. And because of those lies that I believed, I was speaking into the earth words of death over the child in my womb. I was begging, I was crying, and I was afraid. But what I did not operate in is any faith or trust. And I had a physical problem. Get this part. It was not a judgment against God. It was an error of man because abortion in and of itself is a sin. It was something that was included in the procedure that I had experienced that had not been healed. And so it was always going to go back toward this child is not going to live. But God opened the door for a doctor to who knew and understood about these things to bring forth my daughter who is now quite the adult and as i said the maid of honor in a wedding scripture tells you in john chapter 16 when jesus was telling us about the coming of the holy spirit in verse 7 john 16 he said nevertheless i tell you the truth it is to your advantage that i go away for if i do not go away the helper will not come to you but if i depart i will send him to you and when he has come he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my father and you will see me no more and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged and the ruler of this world is the one that sins. So you understand it has been judged and it has been uh, judged by the blood of Jesus. This is what his blood speaks. And so you have to understand, no, it is also my remedy for whatever sins. This is my my doorway to forgiveness. This is my doorway to healing and to wholeness. This is my doorway to cleansing. This voice of the blood of Jesus speaks that I am forgiven, that I am cleansed, that I am washed, that I can be purified. And this word, this blood also speaks of new life coming. It speaks 
of resurrection. So resurrection power is only available through the life of God, through the blood of Jesus, and that's what had been released. So I've really kind of talked us through this, and that's about as far as I'm going to get. But again, Hebrews 12, 24, use it as a hallmark scripture. The blood of Jesus speaks, and it speaks of the mercies of God. It speaks of grace. It speaks of goodness. It speaks of love. It speaks of redemption. It speaks of restoration. It speaks of transformation. And it, we need a revelation to understand what it is. This blood is also the key to intimacy with God because it caresses us. It loves us. It pulls us in. It transforms our lives. It takes away the crazy from our thinking. And it, and it, for some of you today, I believe it has also changed the course of your life because you will no longer walk in the bondage of your past because the blood of Jesus has spoken to say of you, no, you have been delivered from the past and forgiven for the past and the past no longer has any part with you. So I will leave, leave those words. Um, this is what the blood was talking. It's preaching. It says, it tells, and it utters the truth about itself. And in so doing, it emits a sound and utters articulate words to give you a different life. The life that the Father King intended for you to have so that you no longer live in the way that you knew about without him. I'm going to come back in a few minutes uh, with the next part, and we're just going to kind of continue on. And this is why we're really leading up to intimacy with the spirit of the living God so that we understand that intimacy also leads us to understanding and revelation of the blood of Jesus. And by the end of these segments, I believe we'll have a, a, a real good handle on how to listen and to hear what his blood is saying about us because it speaks good things. It speaks better things than what Abel's did. Remember, Abel cried out for, I want to be avenged. But the blood says, I want to forgive and I want to restore and I want to raise them up. All right, that's it. We're about 33 minutes in and I don't want to go over 35 minutes on any of these. So we'll see you for segment three in the second session or second, yeah, series of the power-filled voice of the blood of Jesus. And I'll still be coming at you live from Tupelo, Mississippi. I'm Pastor Lindsay Lee of Astounding Love, and I'll see you soon. Thank you so much.